You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, welcome into Locked on Mavericks for Wednesday, September 14th. We are a part of the uh, larger Locked on podcast network, if you didn't know that already. Uh, Plenty of teams flying around there. Almost every single NFL team has its own podcast, daily version. Almost every uh, NBA team at this point. I don't know what he's doing about baseball, but we might get on that next season during uh, spring training. And there's some fantasy football ones up there as well, if you're into that type of thing. So check out all the... uh, the varieties of flavors at uh, the Locked On Podcast Network. This one is obviously Locked On Mavericks, so we're going to focus on your Dallas Mavericks today again. And thank you if you listened to the uh, the first two this week. Um, if you haven't, you can go back and check those out and uh, get up to speed with uh, myself, Mike Marshall, and also Jacob Kemp. We both of 1310 The Ticket right here in Dallas, Texas postgame show for uh, the Mavs, bad radio, noon to three uh, weekdays, uh, the Shake Joint, Sundays, 8 to 11, and I am on uh, Saturdays, at 10 to noon, on a little show called Not a Podcast. Jacob, how are you, friend? I'm doing very well. I'm ready to uh, get angry about a list. <laughs> Nothing better than yelling at a list over just, uh, you know, just fake numbers that someone threw up against them, but that's what we're going to do today. We're going to chop up this uh, SI Top 100 NBA Players list um, in just a moment. Uh, done by Rob Mahoney and friend of the program, Rob Mahoney, and uh, Ben Golliver of uh, Sports Illustrated. Um, if you want to submit some questions that we can address probably on Friday episodes, uh, you can submit those to at LockedOnMavs on Twitter or uh, LockedOnMavs at gmail.com. It's the same exact thing. You just uh, move the at from the left to the right and throw a gmail.com in there. And uh, we'll try to answer your questions um, on Fridays, I think, is the plan. And if you want to follow myself, it's at Machine Sports. If you want to follow Jake, it's at Not Jack Kemp on Twitter. And uh, we'll probably answer questions there as well if you, uh, you're just too lazy to find the, uh, the other outlet. But, uh, yeah, let's chop up some of this Sports Illustrated Top 100 list. Um here in just a second, I wanted to touch up on something that we mentioned yesterday. Uh, important dates, media day is September 26th. That's important for us, not as important for you. But you should just know that after that date, we'll start having some player interviews on this thing. Uh, preseason starts October 1st in uh, New Orleans. Regular season, October 26th in Indiana. The Monte, Monte Ellis Revenge game. Um, a couple of things we talked about yesterday was uh, Bogut versus Zaza. Um, as well as pace. And here's some stats I found. Uh, went to Nylon Calculus and did some uh, diving around there and found points saved per game via rim protection. Mm-hmm. Zaza, last year, per 36, 0.08. So basically none. <laughs> basically a zero and uh, points saved per 36. Bogut, per 36, 2.10 points saved per game via rim protection so that's what i was talking about yeah um and then finishing within two feet 
Zaza, 59%, which is actually really bad uh, around the basket. Only 13 dunks last year. Bogut, 76% within two feet. 78 dunks last season. So just completely different animals. Um, and then the trick is Zaza had 108 shooting fouls last year, and Bogut only had 12. So that's where he makes up the ground. Um, the pace that you mentioned yesterday, Jake, was uh, you know how they how they manufacture their points um, while still being a really slow offense, still being out to still being able to get out there and run. And what I found was of uh, all the runouts, they basically keep. Uh, tabulate all the uh, the runouts that each team has for a season, and the Mavs were second in runouts off of steals. So seventy-two point or seventeen point two percent of all runouts were basically from teal, steals. So just you know, um, risking a steal for a backdoor cut, and apparently they're really good at it. So that's one way I guess the second unit could probably speed up the pace um, that the first unit the starting unit is going to slow down and we're not saying that's necessarily a bad thing because the spurs are actually slower than the mavs um in terms of pace but there you go there's some touch up from yesterday yeah and i think uh well no go ahead that's fine (laughs) no you're fine i was just gonna say i think a lot of the conversation on bogut is just about health and people are like yeah that's great but he's only gonna play you know x amount of games 60 games or whatever but that's kind of the same thing that happened with zaza like that's exactly what happened, man. So, if, if you had to rate games where he was just not effective, uh, it might have been, you know, you might only count about 55 good games. Yeah, so I just think in general, you know, it's not like you're taking uh, 80% or uh, it's not like you're trading a guy who's a little bit better, but he's going to play a lot less. I mean, he's going to play less than you would like, but he's going to play less than Boogie and mm-hmm. Drummond. He's not going to play that much less than Zaza, though. <laughs> Yeah. So it's no, there's, there's not much of a trade Right. And I think the improvement, the actual talent inside the man that's going to be playing back there is leaps and bounds higher than what Zaza can give you. Yeah. And that's why, you know, we thought it was one of the better uh, upgrades in the offseason. So I guess the first thing to notice in the uh, Sports Illustrated Top 100 NBA players that uh, Rob Mahoney and Ben Golliver put out there is there is no Harrison Barnes. Uh, I think I'm okay with that. I don't know about you. Um, there's also no – well, you know what What might say even more about that is I saw an article that was – it was on the snubs, and he wasn't even on the snubs. <laughs> it was on uh, Derek Rose and Tony Parker. Yeah. So it's like he, they're not even being looked at as uh, – Oh, he's, a, he's in there. He's underneath uh, AFA. Who is? Barnes. Oh, okay. He's hidden. He's hidden down there as if it's like not a big deal. But yeah, he's there's like a you know there's twenty words on him. <laughs> okay, um, and that's interesting that he's mentioned with Al Farouk Aminu, mm-hmm. and it's also interesting that Jay Crowder checks in at fifty three here. Yeah, that's um, a lot of a lot of wing talent that just isn't here anymore. <laughs> yeah, and it's weird too. You have you wonder if there was a crystal ball and you could have seen exactly how and I would even go back to 2011 if you could if you could see how the cap impact was going to occur you know and you could say like all right well I don't want to be cash strapped I don't want to be paying all this luxury tax but you know this cap is going to open up so much that you know I think if they'd known exactly how the cap was going to jump they might have been willing to pay Crowder 
the seven million dollars he got, which now is just like an absolute freaking. That's uh, that's TJ Maxx bargain. I mean, that's insane <laughs> that he gets seven million dollars. He's probably outside of guys on rookie on rookie deals, which I know there are a few on here. He's probably the best value of a guy who's not on a rookie deal on this list. Yeah, no, because I mean, he, look, he they've has got to be. they've got Parsons at fifty one, making twenty three million, and they've got. Uh, They've got Tristan Thompson at 52 making 20 million and then they've got Jay Crowder at 53 making 7. Mhm. Yeah, it sticks out when he's right behind those dudes too. I mean really anybody he's going to be around is going to be somebody who's on their second deal uh or mm-hmm. third deal. And so you know, obviously guys like Giannis um how I don't know, Cory Booker or excuse me, Devin Booker, Cory Booker, not the mayor of New Jersey or the former mayor of New Jersey. <laughs> But guys who are on rookie deals are going to be better value. But outside of that, I mean, Jay Crowder might be the best value for a second contract guy in the league. Yeah, I mean, his number is less than Dwight Powell's now. You know what I mean? It's and, wild. yeah, it's it's a lot of timing, and it's a lot of uh, betting on an unknown, what Boston did. But, uh, yeah, that's – I don't know why it has taken the Dallas Mavericks so long to figure out something that uh, I feel like NFL franchises learned in, like, the first ten years – which is uh, cheap labor and rookie contracts are the most valuable thing in the sport. They are, but they're really only valuable as a means to an end for getting superstar talent. Now, the one way to do that is if one of those guys turns into that. But I would just say the only difference in the NBA and NFL is one guy can really swing the fortunes of everything way more than they can in the NFL. So while I would still prefer to go with, you know, just looking for cheap talent and, you know, accumulating guys who are cheap labor, whether it's for trade or just because they're good and they're cheap. I think it's easier to make the argument in the NBA to swing for the fences than it is in the NFL because, you know, for the most part in the NFL, unless you're signing a quarterback, and even then they wouldn't be getting away if they were a quarterback who anybody wanted. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I, the bust rate is so much higher than in the NBA, whether it's, you know, your Josh, Josh Norman or – now, I just think of everybody the Redskins have ever signed. Um, like, I mean, how many corners that and pass rushers that get a hundred million dollars? Like, always, it feels like they always end up underperforming. Whereas in the NBA, like, it just you know, it's not like there was a chance when LeBron signed with Miami he was gonna suck. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just I could see their their logic of we gotta have to keep this money available so we can take a shot. At whoever it was that summer, I don't even remember now. I guess that was DeAndre. Yeah, that was the uh, yeah that was after Rondo DeAndre summer. So yeah, I guess it didn't I mean, matter they, in the end. That yeah, much, I mean, but. I guess they they traded him. So, but they would have they had to have known that like he was gonna be valuable in the summer. And yeah, they just they let a guy go that based on this, uh, you know, a pretty respected ranking here. We'll take it for what it's worth, but whatever, it would have been their second best player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, To read some of the stuff on Harrison Barnes that they wrote up, they really didn't give any negatives uh, outside of uh, we're not sure he can make the next jump. Um, They do they do applaud his uh, defensive versatility, uh, quickness and ability to uh, handle perimeter assignments. And basically the tagline is uh, if Barnes doesn't make the next next year's top 100, Dallas will probably be up a creek and. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree. Um, I think he could be a not top 100 player, and I think they could still be okay. 
because if he's not better than, let me see who 99 is or 98. It's Booker, right? Yeah, Booker's 100. Um, and then it's Aaron Gordon, Brandon Knight, Manu, uh, J.R. Smith. If Harrison Barnes is as valuable as J.R. Smith, I don't know if Dallas is like in a world of pain. Um, uh, see the, the, two things about that. One, this, to my knowledge, is not a trade value column. No, it's not. So it's I, I think Harrison Barnes is a better player than uh, – if, if they made the same amount of money, personally, I would rather have Harrison Barnes than uh, Jay Crowder. But I wouldn't because of the fact that, you know, one of them makes a third of the money of the other one. But the thing is, mm-hmm. if Barnes is not on here, that means that he was handed – a massively expanded role and did nothing with it. Yeah. So the reason he's not on here right now is because he hasn't had a chance to prove it. And that won't be the reason he's not on here next year. If he's not on here, it will not be because he didn't have the chance to prove that he, you know, was better than Jay Crowder. It would be because he blew it. In which case I would say he would have to be really, really bad to not be one of the hundred best players in the NBA next year on a team that's going to be looking at him as the second and at times primary option. Yeah, opportunity is not going to hold him back. I just, I mean, if he finishes like ninety-five, I think that's okay. If he's as good as uh, Evan Fournier, who is ninety-five this year on this list, I don't think they're like <laughs> up a creek as the <laughs> as they chose to. Uh, to spin it but yeah I think they're just kind of uh softly touching on the issue that yeah he played for Golden State he didn't have a ton of opportunities and just kind of left it at that um I don't know exactly I was trying to figure out what exactly their their rankings are based on but I couldn't find a solid description as I read the thing but that's all right we can get to uh the next Maverick that makes an appearance 92 overall Wesley Matthews um Right in front of, it looks like, Mason Plumley, And right behind, Bismack Biombo. So, Wes Matthews at 92. He was, last year, 99, barely sneaking in, coming off the Achilles. And I guess <laughs> the thing that pops into my mind as you keep on scrolling down this list, how the hell is Wes Matthews different than Damari Carroll, who's up there at 73? Mm, yeah, I don't. I know Carroll had a you know a lot of injuries last year, so I guess that's kind of what makes them similar is that they both are pretty good spot up shooters, but have major health concerns. I don't view them as that different, really. Although the fact that you know Carroll kind of plays the three more, mm-hmm. but they're very similar players, really. I mean, they have some dog in them. They have injury concerns. They're both thirty, thirty one, and they both can't create their own shot, really. Yeah, no, I mean, at the end of the box scores are going to look very similar for those dudes on on a nightly basis. And their overall contribution um, on both ends of the court, I think, are going to be very similar. I'm not saying move Wes Matthews up to 73. I'm saying maybe bump Damari Carroll down there further closer to Wes Matthews. Yeah, that would make uh, – I mean, they're classifying uh, Carroll as a three for the, the purposes of the article and Wes as a two. That has him as the 11th best two guard. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I think I probably would say that if he had like before he got hurt, I thought he was on pace to be somewhere in the five to ten range. So, and I, and I still don't think that's crazy, by the way. No, I don't either. 
I mean, I think he, I, I rightfully do believe he's better than the guys they have him uh, behind right now. Like, I don't know if you ask me right now if I want him or Danny Green, who I'd prefer. Danny Green makes a little bit less money, mm-hmm. but you know, he's the chase down blocks are impressive. But I think Wes is a better on ball defender. Now yeah, I would, I would rather so have too. Reddick or Beal, McCollum, Demar Derozan. Those are all guys I would rather have, and those are all guys that are ahead of him. But it isn't like he's, it isn't like he's like in the bottom half of his position group, and he's going to end up being uh, pretty, you know, I wouldn't say affordable, but reasonable uh, the next couple years. Yeah, I think their notes, uh, their positives are when healthy, Matthews had the balance in his game to make him an ideal complement. Uh, another plus was utterly relentless. Uh, the negatives where we still don't know quite know how closely Matthews will be able to approximate his prime. Historically, Achilles injuries have not been kind to the careers of NBA players. I still think he's going to be a little bit better than next year, and that's fine for me. Um, I don't think 92 is wrong. I just couldn't differentiate between Damari Carroll and him whenever I started looking at it pretty closely. Yeah. Uh, next Maverick that pops up on the list is our uh, our new friend Andrew Bogut. 83 overall, right in front of Nerlens, and right behind Robin Lopez. And uh, they started out with a very um, positive compliment that Bogut remains in the uh, NBA's best defensive player conversation. And I guess I never thought about it like that, um, because to be the best NBA player, you got to play more than that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. But like, but when he's on the court, I think that's spot on. Yeah. And it says uh, he led the entire NBA in defensive real plus minus with a plus uh, 5.45. He averaged four assists per 36 minutes, uh, which is second among seven footers. Uh, very good passer, obviously. And then they started nitpicking some of his injuries, which is the only reason uh, Bogut wouldn't be higher. But uh, I like that. that didn't, that's encouraging to me. I didn't think the Mavs going into this offseason, uh, after Hassan Whiteside Snapchatted bye-bye, I didn't think in a million years that the Mavericks could have a top 100 player that was a center on their roster. Yeah, I wanted them to get involved on some of the other uh, centers who were free agents. Like um, Bismack? Yeah, and uh, even Jan. You know? Yeah, I mean, Mahimi but, was interesting. And Mahimi's not that far ahead of him on this list, and I actually, you know, Truth be told, if if we're just talking about one year, I'm not positive I wouldn't even I wouldn't prefer Bogut. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not just talking about one year. And even though Yamahimi's right. not young, I mean he's probably 31. Yeah. Um, and he hasn't you know really played a, just a, a ton of starting minutes to where you know that he could definitely be that guy. But um, you know, is Clint Capella better right now? I don't know. Clint Capella is a better asset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, is Paul Gasol that much better right now? Yeah, yeah I get, that's a good question. But at the same time, it's uh, it's about who you're putting them next to, and Paul, you can't play Paul Gasol and Dirk together uh, as your starting front court. But you could play him with uh, with Rolo and would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Now the, again, that's an injury issue, but at least he's younger. I would have preferred Robin Lopez over Andrew Bogut, and I'm pretty sure I'm alone in that. But uh, you know, I'd rather have Andrew Bogut at the price that he's at even at his age than uh then have gone all in on Dwight Howard I, th- I think one year of Bogut to me is more valuable than long-term Lopez or Dwight Howard yeah you know just being able to be done with him after this season if you don't want him 
uh, and then Dirk can also opt out for the 25 million, and then it's completely different. Um, you can you can make a lot of moves, a lot of plays if they're there to be made for you um, that you couldn't make if Lopez or Dwight Howard isn't there for you know whatever it is three to four years, 20 plus mil on your books. And then the uh, the final Maverick, I'm assuming, because the top 30 isn't quite out. They got all the way down to 31. Unless Salah ends up somewhere in the top <laughs> top. Justin 10-ish. Anderson just betting hard. Top 10 ish. <laughs> betting on Simba pretty hard. Um, yeah, 31. Our dude, uh, number 41, Dirk Nowitzki. Um, yeah, the whole column is basically just paying much respect to how great he still is and how he didn't fade. Um, 28th last year, I think that's a pretty respectable um, year to year going from, you know, age 37 to uh, 38. You would think a steeper decline would happen, and that's the thing I keep telling people. Like I did a David's podcast last night with him. And uh, I was like, everyone talks like he's going to hit this wall because everyone else has hit this wall and just like slid off the side of the mountain and down into the ravine. I don't think that's happening. If it was going to happen, it was probably going to happen last year. And I just, I don't think it's ever going to be like, oh my God, this thing's over. Like get him off the court at this moment, please. I think more what it is to me is just how you have to manage his career by his minutes and by his workload I mean 32 minutes a night last year that ain't gonna work he's Mm got to. it's got to be down closer to 26 to 28 um and I think if they do that you know they can you know prevent any sort of hitting a wall but his PER last year was 19 that's the lowest in a long time but it was Mm -hmm. like just barely I mean it's just a drop off from 19.2 to 19 um so that's not really a drop off that's not you know that's especially with a stat like that that's negligible. It's nothing. Um, if he's next year, takes another two-tenths of a step back on that. And really, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's back up over 20 just by virtue of maybe having to do a little bit less and being able to be a little bit more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, or if he doesn't have that like one month where he shoots 29% from three, which yeah. he's had the last couple of years. The year before last, he was just bad from three. Yeah. And then last year, he had, a, he had like I think he had a month or a six-week period where I was like, come on, dude. Yeah, they were able to get his usage rate down um, a little bit below what it had been. It, it was actually a little bit higher than the year before, but lower than it was uh, historically. Really, the really the shift for him was when Monte got here. Yeah, um, I think that rattled him, man. Because I remember talking to him last year about having a potential bounce back season, and uh, you know what would that look like? What would I know? What would be the indicator? Um, and I think it was just the presence of Monte, him not knowing quite how to play off ball that many consistent possessions in a row. Yeah, no, I mean, it was weird, and then it was even weirder whenever Parsons was here, and they were, I mean, they just, they just have never really, they've done a good job of getting by, but have not, like, totally put it all together. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, as we've talked about the last couple of days, how he fits with Barnes and how that flows down to having Matthews on the floor and, you know, now you've got a legit rim protector, so it's going to make it tougher for teams to just ice him in four or five pick and rolls and, uh, you know, expose him. But, I mean, I think the overall thing is there are, you know, you got 30 teams and uh, 100 players, you would figure that most would have about three. Mm-hmm. But there are some teams that aren't even trying to compete, so it's probably more like 25 teams. Um, so the Mavericks end up with three on this list. And, 
your highest one is not until 31 past the number of teams there are. So they're going to be, obviously, um, Barnes, you would like to see Barnes be somewhere in the 60 range at worst, I think, on this next year. I think at the end of next year, if you don't consider Harrison Barnes to be a better player, not necessarily a better value, but a better player than Jay Crowder, then that was a disappointing year because he's going to have the looks to get it done. So you're basically saying that our best player is, you know, at at best, the second best player on any other team and probably more like third. The point is just that this is a season where they're going to be having to do it as a team. I mean, there's mm-hmm. you, you're going to get your freak stretch from, from J.J. You'll have a freak stretch, I'm sure, where Wes Matthews is shooting the ball really, really well and making us wonder why it's not like that all the time. But I doubt there's another team who was in the playoffs last year who doesn't have a player ranked higher than 30. Yeah, and we'll yeah, see and once they release it. But I mean, they're 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 almost by definition can't be. Yeah, exactly. So at some point, the numbers don't make sense, right? But uh, your point on Jay Crowder, I think Harrison Barnes' numbers next year are going to bulldoze over whatever numbers Jay Crowder puts up offensively. And if you're going to rank Jay Crowder ahead of Harrison Barnes, you know, at the end of this season, I think it's just going to be stubbornness and uh, you know just intangible things because I don't know how much better Jay Crowder is going to be defensively or how much more versatile he's going to be um, defensively. It's just going to be, you know, folklore that would make you think that Jay Crowder is a better player than Harrison Barnes. If Harrison Barnes does what, you know, the numbers I think he can do, which is going to be, you know, like 15 points, six rebounds, two or three assists a game. Yeah. You know, in solid, solid defense. I guess we can wrap up by uh, touching on a couple guys that, I just kind of wrote down, I must be missing something. Um, number one, Amir Johnson. Yeah. Ranked, eight, I'm ranked on, 86th. I'm out on that. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't know if we're just infatuated with Boston at this point. Um, but, yeah, I'm not in on that at all, dude. I don't think he's a top 100 player. I don't think he's a starter um, let, in, let me, in the league. Let me go next. Mm-hmm. Thad Young. That was the next on my list, dude. I don't have time for that BS at all. Top 66 player? Are you yeah. freaking kidding me? That dude is a spare. Yeah. Like, he he's fine getting garbage buckets and, like, you know, occasionally in an ugly-ass game knocking down a three to pull you within four points or something like that. But he brings nothing that impresses me. Yeah, I'm not even talking about value. I'm talking about just on my team if, like, I don't have to consider fit at all. Yeah. Uh, the guys behind him, I'll absolutely take Wiggins. I'll absolutely take Chris Stapps. I will mm-hmm. probably take Danny Green and Kyle Korver. 100% I'm, I'm taking Ricky Rubio, even though he can't shoot, just because there's way f- – I know there's a lot of good point guards, but there's a lot more Thad Youngs than there are Ricky Rubio. Oh, my gosh. I'm yes, taking man. Avery Bradley. I'm still taking Damari Carroll, even though I don't think he's better than Wes Matthews. Oladipo, mm-hmm. like – Literally almost every single player on here who's ranked behind him, I would take over him uh, outside of maybe Amir Johnson. <laughs> Dude, everybody else in this top 100, I would take over him. I'm still scrolling up and throwing names in my head and seeing if I would. Dude, every single one. Ryan Anderson, Bazemore, yeah. Bismack Biombo, Wes, Plumbly. Okay, you get the Zeller, and I'm, I'm questioning myself right now. But Fournier for sure. <laughs> like... That young makes no sense to me. Also, another one that makes no sense to me, Greg Effin Monroe. Like, what are we doing with Greg Monroe top 63? 
I got no time for that. Yeah, now with him, you have to consider fit because he's not. He doesn't really play the five because he doesn't defend all that well. But he is a, you know, he is a threat offensively, or ideally he mm-hmm. is. Um, let's see. They have. I think I would still take Zach Randolph over him, and he's ranked right behind him. But it's you know, like for example, right ahead of him, they have Alan Chunas, and I think he's right. way better than Monroe. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, it's pretty indicative that all the teams that he's on, whenever he gets fewer minutes or doesn't play at all, they get better. Like they're just better teams when he's not on the not on the floor. And yeah, he's he's very talented off offensively. But I, dude, you could fill you could fill an auditorium with dudes that are you know six eight plus that can score a couple buckets that can get you twelve points, twelve to fifteen points a game, and play zero stinking defense. Yeah, and don't fit in. I don't know what twenty-four minutes of a game they don't have a role. Like that was shocking to me. Luol Deng is another dude you can get out of here with that. He is not a top sixty player in the league. Probably not starter caliber for me. Um, and then Parsons was interesting at fifty-one because he rose up uh, last year. He was sixty-six and he jumped to fifty-one, and I'm not exactly sure why outside of a kind of a fun fun february um but i didn't i i don't mind him being there i thought maybe if he was there that last year that might have made more sense to me yeah um if he stay if he hovered or in between 51 and 60 that's fine but to move him up 15 spots didn't make a ton of sense to me well we'll check back up on it next year and see where he relates to uh to barnes <laughs> to barnes and crowder and crowder and maybe even and, afa <laughs> yeah so all of, uh, our, all of our ex-girlfriends we're gonna be facebook stalking <laughs> so hit us up on uh, on itunes subscribe send in those questions to uh locked on is it mavericks or mavs mavs locked on mavs at gmail.com you got it all right if we're gonna do this thing every day we're gonna need your help so uh, absolutely <laughs> hit us with some uh with a, with a little bit of extra juice and we'll get to those uh once a week we'll see you next time